From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 184. Today's show is brought to you by Linode, Squarespace, and Pingdom. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Federico Vecicci. Ciao, Federico. Hi, Mike. I see you're going with the old school intro. It's all Takes I know, buddy. It's all I know. Mm. It's what I know. Um, Stephen got really excited about WWDC being announced, so he's already in San Jose. That's where he's, he's already sweet. there. He's, he's lining there. up he's outside up. of the. <laughs> he's setting up. Uh, he's getting the tent ready. Uh, he's gonna, see, you know, he figured he doesn't know if he's gonna be in the lottery yet, but just in case, he wants to be first in line, um, so he can wave at Tim Cook. Um, so he can see. So he can see all the new bits early. All the bits. Uh, so all from, the bits. from next week, um, Stephen will be recording live from the keynote line as he will be all the <laughs> way up uh, until the first week of June. Um, but this week he, he didn't have all of his equipment ready in time. So uh, maybe he'll call in by the end of the episode. Who knows? Uh, probably not because I'm editing this week, which means we won't have any disembodied Stephen heads popping in. Um, so I just want to break that to you right now. I know how many people love that, but uh, I won't be doing that uh, because I'm not Stephen. And also, as I mentioned, he's busy getting set up outside of the McKinnery Convention Center. Of course, we are going to talk about WWDC, including a really, really huge, amazing, massive, awesome announcement that we have to make um, a little bit later on in the show. But we do not issue traditions around here, so we must address some follow-up. Our follow-up follow is thank you. <laughs> Our follow-up is slightly different this week, as it always is when Stephen's gone. In that one item is a brand new news story, one is about nothing we've ever actually spoken before, and then okay. the other part of follow-up is just in follow-up because part of the the headline is called follow-up. <laughs> this so, is not follow-up. So all. really, it's just because it says follow-up. So I figured it should go in the follow-up section. So follow-up sure. item, which is not really follow-up number one, is that there has been another rumor about the uh, potential of a another cheap laptop in Apple's line. So if you remember last week when we were talking about what might come in an event, um, there was a rumor from KGI about uh, being a cheaper MacBook Air this year. Well, now Digitimes is reporting a brand new entry-level 13-inch Retina MacBook, which will be unveiled in June with a lower cost than the current 12-inch MacBook. Um, it's probably going to be $999 and reported to enter production in May. So what it looks like is they're going to take the current 12-inch, make it bigger, and make it cheaper but it will have the same retina display, a 2560 by 1600 panel. Now, all of this to me, Federico, says this is the replacement for the MacBook Air. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, yes. I, I feel like the KGI rumor and this rumor are the same rumor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that this cheaper MacBook Air is actually a cheaper retina MacBook. It seems to me like um, the details either about the name or the screen sizes are incorrect. And this is, in fact, the same computer. And the same strategy would be that it's the MacBook, but it's slightly bigger and it replaces the MacBook Air while also being, you know, it, it gets a price cut. Um, it doesn't... Otherwise, to, to reconcile all of these different rumors, it, they don't just make any sense to me. This is much, much simpler. Um, Take the MacBook, make it slightly bigger, like the 13-inch MacBook Air, but it's got a Retina display, and it now costs uh, $1,000, and it's the new Air. 
as it should be because so it's let also me ask thin you and light. If, that's, if that happens, what happens to the current 12-inch MacBook? It goes away. You I think so? So like they get rid of the 12-inch MacBook, they don't have a MacBook Air anymore, and they just have an, a MacBook line that starts at 999 for 13-inch, and then that's that. Well, I guess you could keep the old one around and also give it a price cut, but at the point you have a 12-inch computer and a 13-inch one, and also the old MacBook Air line, like some some of these computers have to go eventually, so why not now? Otherwise, the solution of keeping them all around seems to just add confusion to the entire lineup. So I think either the... I mean, I would guess that the Air goes away and the MacBook is the replacement, even if it doesn't get a name change. Like, why does it need to be called MacBook Air? Because at that point, I think you made this... You you argued about this on... Um, excellent discussion on upgrade that Thank the you. MacBook Air is largely there just to fit the the price point because many institutions like schools for example they want that kind of computer with that kind of price um, but it, it's also confusing if you keep everything around so if you keep the the cheaper MacBook Air and the cheaper 12 inch MacBook and the new but also cheap 13 inch MacBook um it adds the confusion to the consumer choice that I'm not sure Apple wants. Yeah, I think that my ideal situation would be that all that remains is the MacBook line and that, that maybe there's two configurations, maybe there's two different sizes. You know, like I could imagine them doing a 12-inch and a 13-inch, but just doing a 13-inch would be fine. And then that's it. It's just called the MacBook. That's it. Um, and then they charge nine ninety nine as a starting price. It's got all of the current specs that the twelve inch has, and then you can get a more expensive one for thirteen hundred that has a better processor, and more RAM, and more SSD in it. I think that this makes way more sense than last week's rumor of reducing the price yeah. on the current MacBook Air, whilst also still selling a more expensive twelve inch MacBook, and also continuing to like breathe life into a non Retina Mac in 2018. Like, that maybe makes a little bit more sense than, to me. And also, considering how little information actually came from KGI, that makes sense to me. Like, but the, the, the story got blown up because it was interesting. But all KGI said was cheaper MacBook Air. That was all they said. Like they they said nothing else, right? Like uh, so, it could be that that this is what it is because nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, I think, is cheaper than the current MacBook Air that you can buy. So yeah, you know that it would make sense to me that like you could hear one thing and kind of get a little bit confused with something else, right? Like I can see how you would end up. Well, okay, so the MacBook Air right now starts at nine ninety nine. So you know, I mean. Who knows? But I I wouldn't be surprised if this is this is what we ended up being, or if you think of it as like a I don't know is, is can you get the third is it thirteen inches nine ninety nine can you only buy that what do you get now yeah they only get the thirteen inch okay so I I don't know but it makes way more sense to me that the wires got crossed a little bit um, depending on who the sources are or it could be that the digital times thing is wrong completely we'll find out um, soon I mean I guess. I guess if I remember correctly, right, the, the KGI rumor suggested this might happen soon, um, and the Digitimes rumor is June, like probably at WWDC. So who knows? We'll see. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. intrigued to see how this one is up shaking out, though. Um, mm-hmm. Reuters is reporting via a release from Apple um, that Apple Music has passed 38 million paid subscribers. This is up two million more since February. 
Um, as a just as a comparison, Spotify had 71 million premium subscribers um, at the end of 2017. So you'd kind of assume that they're around the similar level, if not increased. Um, this does put Apple at number two. Um, everybody else is r- so much smaller. Uh, all of the yep. other players, you know, kind of Google and uh, Amazon, etc. Yeah. But obviously, Apple have a long way to go if they want to catch up with Spotify. Yeah. Um, they still have a long way to go. They're growing more quickly than Spotify. I think it's obvious. I saw a chart a couple of days ago showing the growth uh, path of Spotify and Apple Music. And the Apple Music one is way like it's, it's a steep curve. So they're growing more quickly, but they're still behind. Like uh, Spotify has nearly double the paying subscribers. And that's a big number. And I think they have double that free subscribers as well. Yeah. So that that's a big advantage of Spotify that you can try it for free. And that somehow, I guess, they make at least some money with the advertisements. I'm not sure if it's enough to keep them around, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Whereas Apple can just basically bankroll this entire <laughs> service because they mm-hmm. can. Um, but I think it's important. I saw someone making this uh, argument uh, a few weeks ago. I think it's important to have a company like Spotify that's based outside of Silicon Valley, that comes from Europe, and that it's entirely about music. I think it's um, it's important to have this kind of player, and I'm sort of glad that Spotify is the leader because it keeps everybody else on their toes. And I think it's important, whereas, uh, you know, all these other companies, Apple and Google, and uh, to an extent Amazon, they just make the music streaming service because it's a feature, whereas Spotify, it is a, entirely what they make. It's the it's music the only service. thing they do. That's their thing. Yeah. This is photo sharing all over again. We spoke, we've mentioned that before on the show, right? Like companies that were just doing photo sharing couldn't exist in the long term. Um, and if anything, it's storage was their problem. The, the, the music streaming services, they have the, the whims of the record labels, which I think are yep. even more volatile, which is a whole different thing in those contracts. I'm keen to see how Spotify continue into the future. Um, the the numbers that they're at right now are impressive, but I don't know if that is a a money making endeavor going long into the future. As as yeah. you say, especially when companies like Apple and Google and Amazon they offer this as part of their overall business, and they can use other parts of their business to undercut and to subsidize the cost of doing a service like this and paying for deals. I do yeah. have a question for you though. Where is this growth coming from for Apple? Like that's what I'm really trying to wrap my head around. Why are they, why is it growing at such a fast rate? Well, I think um based on conversations I had with my friends, which are always fascinating because they they allow me to sort of get a get a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um the the strength of the built-in advertisement essentially in the music app on iOS and the fact that the credit card is already on file is a big incentive, I think, to push these people to, um, all these new users to subscribe because it's so easy and it's built in and it's, um, I think there's a, there's also an association that people make between Beats and Apple Music with the headphones and the music service that I think it's helping. But I'm surprised by the fact that a lot of my friends, they keep mentioning Siri as a, as a feature that when they're driving, they can ask Siri to play music. Uh, which I was not expecting. Um, but I think mostly it's about the fact that it's the music app, it's in the system, and it works with iTunes, which mm-hmm. 
a lot of my friends still use uh, to upload their own you know albums and uh, albums and songs and the fact that the credit card is the same as the as the iCloud account basically as the iTunes store account and so everything is built in and is easy enough to sign up for and you know forget about it essentially that makes sense um, and our last piece of follow-up, this is the piece that has no bearing on anything previously discussed, is the Amazon Echo follow-up mode. This is a new feature that the Amazon Echo um, has got in the past week or so. For some reason, I'll never understand, this is a US-only feature right now. Um, this has happened with basically every feature that Amazon have added uh, to the Echo. It goes to the US and then rolls out to other territories later on. It doesn't make any sense to me why this is the case, considering it's the same company that makes all this stuff. But hey, I had to wait for months for name time. Well, I think obviously is it's a John Syracuse copyright problem. That, that you know, is the true. Lic- they the only licensing. got the licensing deal in the US for, for the <laughs> exactly. follow-up term. That makes a lot of sense. But the feature is really cool, so I'm looking forward to getting it. Uh, what it will do is you can now enable this option. You turn it on in the settings for your Echo devices to continue listening for five seconds after a command has been executed. So if you say, hey, turn on the lights, it turns on the lights, it will listen for another five seconds. So you could then, for example, say, and set a timer for 10 minutes. So this will allow you to chain commands together. So I think this is really cool because this is a nice little addition. Um, there are times when I would want to do this, um, especially, you know, the cooking is the, the often used one, right? But like sometimes if I'm setting multiple timers, I'm setting them at the same time. And being able to do two different things at once is a great a great little workaround. I mean, it would be nicer if I could ask for both of these things at the same time. Um, but until they gain the the poss- like the feature possibility to do that, I'm cool with executing one command after another in a chain. Yeah, I think it's a good workaround. I think it's it makes sense. Um, it's obviously not what the future of these things will look like. No. I think eventually uh, we'll have assistants with the ability to discern different sentences within the same activation command. That's obviously the way it's gonna go. That. If I ask you to turn on the lights and then I ask you to turn to also set a timer, I don't mean to turn on a light named pasta timer <laughs> because that's what happens right now. All the names and all the terms get mixed up in a single command. So eventually, an assistant should be smart enough to interpret these two t- commands as two sentences and therefore two actions. But right now, I think it's a very clever workaround and I wouldn't mind to see this kind of... Um, option in Siri going forward uh, unless you know Apple is working on real multi-command support but I would be surprised considering all the other things they need to fix first but, but right now this is a should get the job done I suppose all right today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Linode Linode offer industry leading performance with native SSD store storage a 40 gigabit network and Intel e5 processors to power their amazing hosting options they have prices starting at just five dollars a month and you'll be able to get your own virtual server up and running in the Linode cloud in under a minute they have t- 10 data centers spread across the world meaning you can serve your customers even quicker than ever before they have an API to allow you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. Everything is manageable via the command line and all of their pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. Linode has wonderful pricing options available. 
you can start a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. And they can even go all the way up to huge memory plans, like 16 gigabytes of RAM. That's where their high memory plans start. You can go beyond that even. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash connected, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash connected, you'll be supporting this show and also getting yourself $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months for you to go and try out. And we have a seven-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing to lose. So head on over to linode.com slash connected right now to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or you can just use the promo code CONNECTED2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and FM. So uh, yesterday, March 13th, um, out of nowhere, WWDC was announced. Um, so mm. WWDC 2018 will be back in San Jose uh, from June 4th to June 8th. Um, as we expected last year, this is a permanent move, um, or at least a, a permanent move for the time being. Uh, but this is where we are, June 4th to 8th, 2018. Uh, we're both going to be there, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly than that, we have a pretty awesome announcement. Um, we're going to be doing a live show at WWDC um, in conjunction with OrtConf. And the folk at the Accidental Tech Podcast, we are putting on the first ever WWDC Podcast Festival. It's going to be two days of podcasts in the evenings. ATP is going to be on Monday, June 4th. And we are going to be doing a Relay FM live show on June 6th. Um, in conjunction with AltConf. There are tickets available now. Um, I'll put a bunch of links in the show notes so you'll be able to go and get your tickets. We've got tickets on sale right now. Um, they are $5, and all of the money for the tickets is going to be going towards helping uh, AltConf. So all the money is going to AltConf to help support what they're doing. Uh, they do a great, a great service uh, for people attending WWDC, they're a great option to go to even if you don't get yourself a pass. They've got loads of really, really awesome and amazing stuff. And you can even attend for free. Um, there are options to pay, but you can attend uh, all comp for free, which is just kind of awesome. They're really great with that sort of stuff. So we're going to be doing a live show. Um, it's going to be broken up into some fun segments like what we did in 2016 when we did a, a Relay Con San Francisco. So the show will feature the three of us, so me, Stephen, and uh, Federico, in the first section. Um, and then Stephen is working on some programming for the other sections. So he's working on that. I'm very excited. There's going to be some mashups and some crossovers of other Relay FM shows. We're really excited about it. Um, I have no idea how long the tickets are going to be on sale for. Um, I would just say this is a significantly larger show than we've ever done before. Um, there are 900 tickets available, mm-hmm. uh, which is bonkers. It's like three to four times larger than any live show we've ever done. Um, but I will say if our waiting lists every other year have proven anything, is that there would be that amount of people that would want to get a ticket. So if you are interested, there'll be links in the show notes um, for you to go and pick up tickets of your own. Uh, But of course, you can just go to altconf.com and you can get a ticket to our live show. So if you're going to be in town, please grab a ticket. Um, If you've got any questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter, but uh, all of the information should be available uh, uh, in our show notes. So we're really excited. Anyway. Let's talk about WWDC, shall we? Okay. So San Jose, we're very happy about that, right? I, I mean, 
last year felt fantastic. Um, yes. It was a great environment. It was way nicer uh, than any other year that I've been to. Um, mm -hmm. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. I had a great time. So I'm expecting that it will continue to be that uh, and may even be even better than last year would be my hope. Yeah, I think so, especially because Apple had the time to work out all the issues with the new location last year. I mean, the, organ the entire organization was already quite smooth and, you know, they they partnered with uh, other um, events throughout town during the week. I think it was really... Uh, it was really great. I had a great time and the city was lovely uh, and the weather was fantastic, of course, because it's California. And I think it will be even better this time because now we know what, what we are doing. We are more used to the place. We yeah. know where we're going and we know where to get good coffee. So I yep. think that's really important. And I think the, you know, the, the inside of the convention center, I think it was probably nicer than Moscone. Uh, from my personal experience, I think it was... a just nicer even the outside being able to be outside there was like um like you could sit at a table or just you know um on the ground there were like an entire garden type situation i think it was really really lovely um so i'm happy that it's again in san jose because i had a great time and uh great decision to not be in san francisco yeah i i hope that the vibe continues of like feeling like the town gets taken over um i'll note that like Hotels and stuff seem to have been booked up way quicker. Um, like the, the hotel that we stayed at last year, same hotel we're staying at this year. There are no rooms available. Uh, we actually booked rooms on a whim like three months ago. Uh, just kind of <laughs> yeah. guessed some dates and started putting some deposits down on rooms. And yeah, we ended up, we were okay, uh, which is great. I'm very pleased about that. Um, mm -hmm. But all about the branding for WWDC this year. I love that is they've got dot grid paper. Um, dot grid is my so favorite type of paper. Okay, so it's entirely about paper because I've seen all these tweets that like dot grid is the best. Dot grid is you yes, know, all that. Like, okay, it's paper. Okay, yeah. All right. Like a dot grid is great because it it's not it doesn't like box you in as much as a regular grid would. You know. Right. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a dot grid. I mean, what I think what they're showing here is building blocks. I, I'm not really looking into it very much. I see people. I don't know if they're joking or not, saying like, "Oh, there's they're bringing depth back to the design." I, I don't know if it means anything other than just like this is just building blocks of design, right? Like this is kind of you would sketch out your app on paper, that kind of thing. And I think it looks right. really nice. I like I like the aesthetic that they're going for. Um, it, um, it's kind of cool. Some, some, some people on Twitter uh, would have you believe that that you have no right to like this type of three uh, D style because Apple has no right to go back to depth and shadows because of the crimes they committed with iOS seven. <laughs> it's a yeah. nice graphic. It's a nice web page. I think it's a lovely look. You know, the this three uh, D combination of various interface elements and programming signs. I think it looks fantastic. I wouldn't read too much into, you know, Apple is bringing back 3D and shadows and perspective. I don't think it's that. I think it's just, you know, a graphic designer needed to put up a visual identity uh, for WWDC. And this is what we were going for. Um, there's no, you know, some folks like to see the conspiracy everywhere. Sometimes it's just, you know, a couple of designers 
making cool graphics. Just from a visual design perspective, I'm I'm interested to see how this translates. You know, like because the the what you get here, the branding of the website is the branding of the conference, and that branding is carried through to banners and posters and little elements um, mm-hmm. that go throughout the conference, and all white everything in white i'm interested to see how that translates to other materials it's because it's because we the people bring the color it's what we do <laughs> or you know johnny got his hands all over it and just like all white all <laughs> or, white only. Or, or that but my my message is more inspiring and positive yes it i is. like to it go is. with that mm-hmm. it is um but yeah i'm interested to see how it will translate because i i mean i love all that i like the the visual design aspect right like i think that's fun um, I always love walking around the town and seeing the banners up and stuff like that. So I'm keen to see how that, that translates. Maybe you're all going to get some nice dot grid notebooks when you're standing in line so you can take all your important notes for the conference. Or maybe they, maybe they, give, you little, they give you little objects shaped like these interface elements and some, somehow they are AR toys that you point your <laughs> iPhone camera at and they transform into little figurines mm-hmm. and characters, you know? Sort of like Nintendo bundled like those AR cards with the Nintendo DS. You remember and the 3DS. those? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the three DS, you could like... like look at the card and fall into the table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's something like that. So, I felt like this announcement came out of the blue a little bit. Um, obviously, I was starting to believe we're getting closer, right? Because i don't think i expected we would find out as early as we did because it was a couple of weeks prior to this um a year ago it was early march that we found out and that was because they they up and moved the conference uh i was expecting we would maybe find out maybe late march um early april but we're kind of finding this out in mid-march um it kind of came out of nowhere i think but in a good way i mean i think it's way better to find out earlier rather than later i think that's just a good thing so you can get all of preparations in 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 mind especially yeah. as people who are like trying to arrange things um to do in, around but like i like that it gives more people more time to make more plans i always think that's a good thing yeah i think it's a i think it's always good to have an announcement early because you know flights are expensive and hotels also um i was uh, I, I had a little story that i wanted to tell you mm-hmm. um so i called my mom yesterday mm-hmm. because she usually she drives me uh together with sylvia to the airport and so i was like oh you know by the way apple announced uh the dates of the conference dates um i'm gonna leave in the first week of june and her first reaction was like oh they're doing another one <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, mom. They- it went well last year. <laughs> and uh, she was like, what are they going to announce this time? I was like, well, I don't know. But- <laughs> Does she think they ran out? Like, that's it? She she was under the... My mom, every time Apple announces something, she's surprised that they have more. So, like, when the iPhone ten came out, she was like, oh, they have another iPhone? <laughs> she's always like somehow convinced <laughs> that Apple is making the last of everything. <laughs> <laughs> they perfected it, mum. They're done. They're no more conferences. No more. On. No more iPhones. Uh, but yeah, seriously. Um, I think it was about a couple of weeks ago that John and I we were we were certain that Apple would have an announcement for WWDC, and so we prepared. Like we had a post ready to go. We had an entire like set up with Pingdom and all these alert systems to make sure that the announcement was, you know, being monitored 
but nothing happened. And yesterday, I was actually like, I was not expecting the announcement at all. I was writing. I had all, so I'm working on this story for the website next week. And I had, like, when I'm in this mode, I put all my devices in Do Not Disturb. Um, so I, I was writing, then I get up to, because of the time to stand notification, and I look at my iPhone, and there was a message from you. Uh, what did you text me? Like, something I about... I sent you um, a screenshot of flight times. <laughs> the flight, like, uh, do you think this is, like, about the prices? Like, do you think this is okay? And I was like, am I missing something here? <laughs> what <laughs> I said to you was, I'm sure you're busy right now, but we need to book this. And you're like, why? <laughs> I'm like, um, WWDC? And then you were like, you like, am I missing? Am I missing something here? And I was like, WWDC is announced. And you were like, wait, what? Are you being serious? I'm like, are we doing this again? You, you sent me in all caps, dude. It's out now. That's all <laughs> they just announced it. Also in all caps. <laughs> yeah, because I, again, I was not expecting the announcement at all. I thought at this point it was going to be like April. Um, so I was really surprised. And I was thinking about this. I was actually discussing this with you before the show. I almost feel like the announcement has been made. We dealt with the hotel and flight stuff for like 30 minutes to an hour. You dealt with the announcement on Relay FM for the live show. And then it all passed and we were done. I I, I don't feel like the same... I don't know, but like, I don't want to say that I'm not happy. Of course, I'm super excited, but the mechanic of the announcement, it flew by almost. I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, I mean, kind of. I think that your circumstances are slightly different, right? So this is your third time. The first year was your first year, so you're super excited. Your second mm. year was the biggest change in 10 years. So that yes. created a lot of discussion and thought and like, what yeah, is this going to be like? Yeah. What is this going to be like? So now this year, there are a couple of things to it. One, it's like you, you're a little bit more used to it. And two, there isn't anything new or big. And we're finding out way earlier than usual, right? Like, it's usually, I mean, if memory serves, like it's been like late April sometimes. So now yeah. we're kind of middle of March. You're still like basically best part of three months away that you are maybe just, it's too far. To, to think about you know mm, yeah yeah i think that's it and also maybe the fact that at least the current rumors are not suggesting any new groundbreaking features coming to ios i think that's also kind of setting the mood in a different way like last year there were all kinds of rumors if i recall um you know about apple is gonna are they gonna go back to the ipad um, are they going to focus on, you know, are they working on augmented reality stuff? Um, but this year, you know, with the with the rumor of the working on fixes and improvements, and maybe the biggest announcement will be um, Project Marzipan. I feel like that's sort of setting a different mood in the in the in people who are following this stuff. Uh, that maybe feel it's going to feel different from last year, even though the location is the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get that, but like I've I've been to bad WWDCs, and they're still. I mean, I still the the event itself, the time is still enjoyable, right? Oh, so yeah, like for sure, you know, you have maybe again, like I don't know, you just maybe not had enough of them yet, right? You had like one bad one and one like the best one you could have ever imagined. <laughs> yes, right? but like yeah. your bad one was still your the first time. So I don't know. My feeling still as we are right now is that. 
there's never going to be nothing. There's always ex- there's always interesting stuff, even if they're cooling it down. There's still going to be stuff in there that's going to be exciting. And I think that we're still far enough away that there could be other rumors that come out and leaks that come out if that's the kind of thing that we're looking for to be excited about. Right? I, I still think that there's time for there to be more. Um, I don't think that prior even the announcement, we would typically know all of the rumors we're going to know. You know, and and also as well, there's enough time for everyone to like drum up their own <laughs> beliefs of what's going to happen that get turned into kind of an expected thing. Like Project Marzaban, I think is one of those, right? Like I think this is something that we're all kind of expecting to happen that still might not happen. Um, I am definitely in the camp of I believe this will happen, um, but it is unknown it's unknown if like even if they show it off like it might not be available this year it might be like here is this thing and it's going to be 2019 who knows like i have no idea but there's still this there's, there's still enough that can happen now they haven't like even just hardware right we get some new ipads like that would be pretty sweet right like that would be enough that would, for me that would be excellent that would be excellent yeah but so yeah. I, i'm 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 remaining cautiously optimistic but my entire focus honestly right now is about our event like that's where my mind is is focused on um is this event that we're doing so i'm i am most excited for that right now oh yeah, um, yeah. so buy tickets buy tickets buy tickets is is what yeah. i'm trying to say but yeah, yeah wwdc um it's coming back out here first full week of june i'm very excited um i'm looking forward to all of the different parties and events that are going to be announced mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna hit us quicker than we think though because I, I feel like we always go there for the news, for the Apple stuff, but really we go there for for the people, to meet people, to meet our friends and to meet listeners and readers and, you know, everybody who's part of this entire mm-hmm. big community that of folks who follow Apple and like Apple products and make apps. So that's the best part of going there and meeting people and being exposed to faces that you normally just see on Twitter timelines. I think that's always been the best part for me. So I will underscore that by saying if you want to go, but you either don't want to buy a ticket or don't get a ticket, there is so much awesome stuff to do. It is worth being in San Jose for that week. I am not going to attempt to get a ticket. I'm not interested. There's There's enough to keep me excited throughout the day throughout the evenings there's so much cool stuff going on um you've applied for a pass again right yes good luck i hope that you get it Uh, that (laughs) makes third times a charm right if you do the first two years you won the lottery didn't you i got lucky the first two times um so hopefully it'll continue to work but Mm -hmm. uh even if it doesn't i'll still be there because it's so so worth it especially for my job and your job to talk to developers to meet folks who are working on new apps new games um it's just an excellent time for i just like to hang out and go see live podcasts like it's not really about meetings for me anymore you know but yes i get i get it there i did last year take more meetings than i've taken in all other years combined um because i think people started to care but uh, that's not why I go. I, I I do go for the for the app for the all of the different social events. You know the different live podcasts, right? To see ATP live, to see the talk show, to go to like fundraisers like App Camp for Girls and stuff like that. Like that's that's why I go because those things are genuinely fun. And now I'm 
I have friends that I'll see there every year. I make new friends every year. Like it's always a great, great experience, which I really, really thoroughly recommend that people go to. And if they do go, they should come to our live show because it's going to be the best thing that you'll see all week. Yes. Yes. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move for Squarespace to give you all of the tools that you need to create a website for your next idea. You'll be able to grab a unique domain name. You get 24-7 customer support. You get to take advantage of and customize award-winning templates. You get online store functionality and so, so much more. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about or upgrades needed. Squarespace take care of all of that stuff for you. Squarespace is so easy to use. It's very customizable. No matter what your skill level, you'll be able to put a website up on Squarespace. I know nothing about website building, um, but I knew that yesterday I had to put up a blog post for our live event, so I dropped the text in. You can do it all in Markdown, write everything out in Markdown, just drop the Markdown into the text and it formatted everything for me. I needed to add in an image and a button to give people to click to go buy tickets. I was just drag and drop those elements in, uploaded the image, gave them the URL for the button, and I was done in 10 minutes. It was so simple. Um, I love it. If, if we didn't, If we tried to build our own system and I had to do that on my own, I wouldn't remember how to do it every time because I do this stuff so infrequently. Just having an intuitive and easy-to-use system is exactly what I need. Squarespace's plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. Then use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for Connected and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So uh, it was announced during a presentation or a conversation, um, South by Southwest with Eddie Q, that Apple have acquired a digital magazine service and company uh, called Texture, who were owned by a larger company that's also the, the entire company's been bought. The company is called Next Issue Media, and they made an application service called Texture. Um, Next Issue Media has been purchased by Apple. Um, this even warranted um, a post on the Apple PR newsroom. Federico, do you know much about Texture? Had you had you come across Texture before uh, this announcement came out on Monday? So I was surprised by the fact that Texture was already um, in my downloads uh, list in my on the App Store for my Apple ID. So sometime in the past, I you tried downloaded it. Texture. I tried it. Um, and I, and I'm pretty sure that I didn't keep using it um, because I I don't read magazines really I I read websites and this is an application that lets you read articles from magazines like GQ and you know National Geographic and People and all the all, all these popular US magazines which usually they have a web component uh, so that's why I don't need to get the magazine version um, but it. I think it's really nicely done if you're that type of uh, consumer who wants to have a dig- digital way of reading magazines. Is it just scans of magazines or do they like have the content? I don't think it's just scans. Um, so, for example, um, if I open on a story here, um, which of course I cannot do because I need to create an account, um, which I don't have. But what I think it's interesting is the ability to... Um, there's a section called highlights that takes you directly to a story. I don't, I don't think the it's just like a PDF scan. 
that okay. you have to that you have to zoom back and forth to read. Also, the app just crashed for me, so Great. that's interesting. It's all going well so um, far. I'm not sure about which kind of format they're using, but I would be surprised if it's just like just give us an image and let people zoom into the text. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's what they're doing at all. What I think is interesting and fascinating for Apple is that this company built a system to extract individual stories from magazines and to highlight them in a separate view of the app. So you can have this like this bundle of magazines that you're paying for with the Netflix-like model. You're paying a subscription and you, and you get access to dozens of... It says 200 plus magazines and it's $10 per month. But you also get this um, personalized feed that gives you stories extracted from different magazines which seems to me like it's a perfect fit for the apple news model where you have uh, you can drill down into individual sources individual websites and publications or you can stay in the main view where you get a collection of different stories from different websites and in this case magazines and we were speculating about this in, on in our uh, iMessage conversation and we, uh, I think I said, or Stephen said, that this makes sense for, for Apple News. And of course, Eddie Q was speaking at Southwest, Southwest a few minutes later. So this announcement, this entire thing was pretty well-timed with this Eddie Q appearance. And he confirmed that Apple plans to integrate this technology somehow with Apple News. Because again, it, it just makes sense for that type of structure, I think. Yeah, I'm wondering why the feeling the need to buy this company though like I, it, it feels like what you really need for this is just the buy-in from publications to mm-hmm. do this and i unless they have created some really really special proprietary technology i don't necessarily understand why apple needed to buy this company to do this specific thing this is my question too. Uh, also, because the Apple has been, you know, promoting this format that websites can use the Apple News format to produce stories for uh, optimized for Apple News. So I was under the impression that Apple wants to work with websites, not with magazines trying to adapt to the internet, but with websites that have already a web presence and a web component. So. It's either, I see two possible paths for this, that either Apple wanted to get all these rights and these deals with publishers. Yeah, but I'm not um, sure about how that stuff works, right? Because that doesn't seem I mean, logical either. to me, that if you buy a company, you just take all of their contracts. And even if that was the case, like a contract was written in that way, contracts expire. And if Apple are concerned that they're not going to be able to get people to sign contracts with them which is why they're buying a company for it like how do they know they're going to get renewals on the contracts like that doesn't seem like a good reason to buy a company to me so i think it's either somehow they worked out a deal that that still works for them from that point of view even though i think it's i don't know how these things work or texture built a technology that is uh, amazing that apple wants to have in apple news and that, uh, you know, maybe they want to move to a format where uh, stories you get on Apple News are more magazine-like. Um, or maybe it's entirely about the engine and about the fact, you know, how we can recommend individual stories, how we can recommend, you know, um, how we can deal with 
hundreds of magazines, but also highlight interesting stories on a daily basis. I don't know what the reason is, because of course Apple is not telling us, but maybe there's a there's a point to make about the broader idea of maybe Apple sort of positioning themselves as the company who's, who wants to help publishers in an era where there's a problem of fake news everywhere, basically. And the publishing industry dying in places, And the right? publishing industry dying yeah. at the mercy of Facebook, yep. mostly. Um, so I wonder, I wonder if this is, a play, is this what Apple's play is going to be like of, we're going to help you survive. Um, even though I, I don't know if, you know, it's just marketing or if it's something that they truly believe in. Uh, because the, the news industry, you know, from, from Apple's per- perspective, it's just something that they can use to push people to subscribe and to, to get people into the system, essentially. I don't think that they yeah. have a genuine... I don't, it's not that I don't think, I don't know if they have a genuine feeling of, oh, we need to save the publishing industry because it's good for America and it's good for the world. I don't, I don't think if they have that kind of sentiment behind this, this push for uh, getting this kind of company. Yeah, I'm also a little bit um, uncomfortable with any company that says something like what Eddie Q said. We are committed to quality journalism from trusted sources and allowing magazines to keep producing beautifully designed and engaging stories for users. It's the yeah, trusted sources <laughs> thing that I don't like, like that there is a company that can be like, you can trust this one, you can't trust this one. I don't like there's something about that kind of thing which is a little bit it just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable at times where it's like well who is making the decisions though about what I can and can't see I I, I kind of get a little bit uncomfortable with any company that is like cherry picking just the right stuff you know what I mean like yeah yeah I do I feel um, like that is easily open to abuse in one way or another and also I personally believe that if you want to ingest any type of news you should try and have a balanced view on it um, I think there's a there's a general sense of discomfort lately with the news and I get um, why because if there's just yeah. absolute false stories being produced then yes of course you should be untrusting of it um, but I also like to believe that, that most people don't just completely shut themselves off from things they don't agree with, right? Like, I, I feel like most people will at least have an idea of things that, they're, that they don't agree with. And, and I would want to see Apple doing that. I mean, I don't, I don't want Apple to just, if they're going to do something like this, to only have stories from the left, right? Like, I feel like that they have to have something which is moderate that can be served for everyone, right? That they have things for everybody because that seems like the right thing to do, right? Just because you are maybe more on the right side of things, it doesn't mean that everything is wrong, right? Like there is, because there are, there is there is wrong on both sides of every debate, right? So I would hope that they would at least try and keep things relatively neutral. Would you agree? Yeah, that's that's the problem. So someone emailed me um, a few weeks ago, or maybe I was reading an article that I wanted to link to. But anyway, there was this sentence that kind of stood out to me of, um, I don't use the iBook store because Apple is always pushing their liberal agenda. And that really, uh, like I paused when I, when I was reading this because it's a, 
it's an issue that even though I don't agree with it, I think Apple, you know, I use Apple News, I would say at least once on a daily basis. I think it tends to have a good mix of different types of sources, but I can see how, especially in this age and this current political landscape everywhere, this is a very sensitive issue of, is this company trying to inject their values into the news that I see and the content that I want to buy and pay for? And this is why this this acquisition is so, so peculiar to me, because if it's not for the technology, what is it for then? So the only reasonable explanation that I can think of it must be the, the technology and the team, because otherwise, what's the? You already have a system where, if you want to have content on Apple News, you can you can say to all these websites, just use this format, just use this code, and you will be on Apple News. Um, why do you need to say you can find your trusted sources on Texture? It's something that I don't understand. People can already choose for themselves. And they can they can already go on Apple News and find different sources that they like and subscribe. And any website can say, "I'm advertising my content as compatible with Apple News." Why the need to cherry pick magazines that are part of this program? This is what I don't understand. So my I hope that it's about the technology and not about the ideology behind. Let me let me pick all the sources that I think are good for the people because that shouldn't be Apple's job. That shouldn't be Apple's job at all. No, especially not where they are as a company, right? The biggest company in the world. And like Apple can decide if the things that they do are more liberal in nature. They can make that decision and that's fine, but not with something like giving people the information that they receive. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you see yeah. where I, see where I'm yeah. going? Like it is. I think it's totally fine for them to do things that would be considered to be liberal, right? Like to support specific causes um, and to make a stand on certain issues, because there are people that believe that they are those are the right things to do. I am of that leaning, as I believe that you are too, right? Like we both believe in more liberal ideals, but. Yes there are people that don't in the world and Apple can make those decisions about the way that they want to run the company. But when it comes to like choosing news sources, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think you can, they should be able to separate having values as people and as a company and running an editorial service mm-hmm. with an editorial board that is not a news organization producing content. Well, to an extent, you could argue that the spotlight section in Apple News does reflect some of the values of, of the Apple editorial team, but by and large, it's an aggregator, an aggregation service that collects articles from different sources. It's not the Apple magazine. You're yeah. not reading the Apple Times. You're reading sections in Apple News from other people, from other journalists. So I think it's important for Apple at this point in time to separate the having values, having, having opinions, having ethics as individuals uh, and as a company as a whole, and running the App Store Today tab, running Apple News, running these um, features and these services that showcase content, but that do not necessarily need to be political. 
I think that's um, that's probably an unpopular thought that no Apple should. Some people would say no Apple should take a stand. It should should actually promote um, you know all the the political uh, thoughts that they have. But I think they can do that elsewhere, not in the news application that people want to use to read the news from the Times or the Post or you know Fox News or whatever it is. I think as long as it's about the news aggregation service, the news app on everybody's devices, that should be kept neutral. And of course, there are services that they can not go to, right? Like there are websites that are out there that are just spewing hate, right? And, you know, and just saying just bad things and not even so much like false news, but just bad, like really bad opinions about things and saying horrible stuff. And they can choose to not use those, right? But And that's not completely shutting it down. That's like drawing a line around it, but still trying to maintain balance. And of course, it is worth saying, like, Apple are not saying that they're going to do this, but the wording could be, can be a little bit um, risky if that's a route they want to go down, if that's what they truly believe, right? And it's like, what are, what is trust? How is trust earned? What becomes a trusted source? Like, what views and opinions do they have to have? That kind of thing. Uh, because, yeah. like, you know, for example, in the App Store, right, there there are all types of stuff, right? And they, they have the lines that they draw, but there are all types of things that you can get, right, that, that, that reflect many different views and opinions, um, but there are things that get rejected because they're considered to draw a line, and I think that that is perfectly fine as a way to do things so yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky balance it's so sure. tricky that it makes me wonder why they're doing it yeah exactly exactly like yeah. apple news as a product is a nice to have it is not mm-hmm. a requirement because people can just go to the app store and download news apps right like apple don't, this is one thing that apple do not need to do so i'm keen to see why Right, as as what it looks like they're doing is continuing to enforce Apple News as a thing rather than newsstand. Right, I feel like that's where we can see the changes happening. Right, that they are pushing their one mm. platform, their app with stuff in it, as opposed to a container application which has publications in it that you choose. Like there's, there's a- an interesting, yeah, there's an interesting parallel between the App Store's Today tab and what Apple is doing with Apple News. In the sense that on the App Store, Apple is free to have their own voice with the stories that they publish in the Today section because it's their own controlled environment. Apps that choose submit to the App Store, it's Apple's place and they can choose to feature whatever they want and to share whatever message they want. But uh, Apple News, it's about world facts. It's not about the Apple ecosystem. It's about what's happening in the world. It's about the news. And Apple does not control that, does not own what's happening in the world. And so it becomes much more trickier for Apple to say, we want to have a voice, but also we want to run this service. Because it's not the kind of... Even though the App Store is a huge place now, I think 2 million apps or something, it's still a controlled environment. It's still a marketplace. It's limited. But on the on Apple News, you cannot apply the same approach of uh, we as Apple want to have our own voice and want to push our own thoughts and, and ideas, but also we need to provide people with a neutral service that can scale for different types of people. 
Um, that's incredibly tricky. And maybe, maybe that's why it's been so difficult for Apple to expand Apple News internationally. Because you need to essentially reset the culture of the team that runs the service for each country. And that I suppose that that can be uh, extremely costly and tricky to, to scale. It doesn't surprise me, honestly. I'm keen to see if we can ever even really point at this as like, oh, that's what they did with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Apple Music, you can't really point and be like, oh, that's where Beats Music went. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's just like, yeah. well, I mean, the things that Beats Music had and Apple Music had, the things that overlap are not technically complex things, like visual that you can see. Right, like the things that they seem to have really taken from Beats Music was the editorial curation, but they didn't need to buy Beats Music for that. Now, I'm sure that there is lots of stuff under the hood that is Beats Music, but the things that Beats Music did differently, you don't see in Apple Music. And can you correct me if I'm wrong? I mean, I can't think of anything. I mean, a lot of the even a lot of the Beats Music features, like the best ones, were not carried over to Apple Music at all. Yep. And um, I wonder if it's going to be something like that, where it's like, well, there is this thing, which maybe you could say is that team working on it, but you'd never really know. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if, after all, it's just about the people that were working on this, um, engineers and designers that have the expertise to aggregate articles from different sources. Maybe that's all there is, really. We'll wait and see. I don't know. All right, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Pingdom, the company who offer uptime monitoring and web performance management. You're more familiar with Pingdom than you might think because they are helping keep some of your favorite sites up and running 24 hours a day because companies like Evernote, BuzzFeed, Netflix, Imgur, these sites use Pingdom because websites are really complicated. They have many different moving parts and things can break. And if something breaks, you want to know about it quickly so you can fix it. And that is what these companies and many, many more, including mine, rely on Pingdom for. You've got contact forms and e-commerce checkouts, login, search functionality, and so much more these days. Websites can break in a myriad of different ways, and Pingdom will let you check the availability of all of these functions. It isn't just about getting a message if your entire site goes down. They care about the important interactions people have on your site too, and they'll let you know if they're not working. It's really easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor, and they take care of the rest. Federico even mentioned earlier he had a Pingdom monitor down, uh, going on for Apple's website to know when the WWDC page changed. Right? I know a bunch of people that do that because then you'll know as soon as WWDC is happening because Pingdom will tell you. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to save 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So because Stephen isn't here this week, I thought, why don't we do something completely iOS focused uh, that is, I think, something for people that use iOS all day, every day, like me and you do. And I've, I'm calling this segment iOS Little Wonders. So some little things that we encounter on a daily basis that makes iOS so wonderful for us to use every day. And also... While some things are multi-platform, cross-platform, there are some little elements to it that are make it better on iOS. Um, the one that I want to talk about was my 
the reason I thought of this thing in the first place, because I took a screenshot on my iPad the other day and I cropped the screenshot, I copied it, I deleted the screenshot and then pasted it into Twitter. And I was like, I love this UI so much. Mm. It is so good. Like, I take screenshots on the Mac when I'm sitting at my Mac and the built-in UI just drops a JPEG onto my desktop. That is never what I want to happen, right? <laughs> like That is 100% never what I'm looking for. Um, and services like Dropler exist, and they're mostly good, but they're, they're not. No, none of these things are as good as the screenshot UI in iOS 11. There are still some places I would like to see it get a little bit better. Um, like I would love a way to be able to delete an image with some kind of action that didn't require tapping. So maybe if I like swiped it to the other side of the screen or did drag and drop and a little uh, little trash can popped up on the screen that I could just drag it over and it disappeared. But just being able to take a screenshot, do whatever I need to it, share it however I want, and then it just be destroyed is amazing. And then you've got all the markup stuff, which I don't use that often, but every time I do, I'm like, I'm so pleased this is all in this one UI. Like, it really is amazing. And then when you get into looking at how different it is on the iPad or drag and drop, where you can take a bunch of screenshots and then drag them all into something, like, it really is just a wonderful uh, advancement that came with iOS 11. It truly is one of one of the best little features of iOS 11. I'm, I'm glad that you picked this one um, because I, I also use it every day. And in fact, I love the the fact that you can you can take multiple screenshots and they will be stacked mm-hmm. in the same in the same carousel. It's really so well done. Um, I want to go as a little feature that I love uh, as shared notes. Um, so a lot of people probably use this, but uh, you can share, if you use the Apple Notes app, you can share a note with someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that the, the, the collaboration is great uh, because it's, it doesn't require you know, any complex setup. You just send a link to someone on iMessage or some, somewhere else and they can open the note and start editing the note. It's also the fact that if you share a note with yourself, so if you make yourself the collaborator of the note, you can then use the link as a launcher on iOS. Oh and my <laughs> god. Yeah. Oh. And, I, and, I, <laughs> and I do this I do this for a bunch of notes that I access on a regular basis. I share the note with myself and then I create a launcher, like a widget launcher that opens the note. The only probable downside is that because it's based on the iCloud, on the CloudKit system, when you tap these launchers, you get like a small dialogue in the middle of the screen that says retrieving for like half a second, and then the note launches. Um, and that's because the, you know, the system is going to iCloud to say, is this actually a note that I can open? And then it kicks you off to the notes app. But you, know, on a, you, you see that for like half, less than a second usually. And it's so convenient because I have a lot of notes that I share with my girlfriend, with John, with other folks at, for Mac Stories. But really, I have these notes that I share with myself uh, and that I find so useful uh, because I can use them. Otherwise, there's no way to like. There's no notes URL scheme that you can op- that you can use to open notes. So this is a good workaround. That is a teachy tip, man. I'm gonna have to <laughs> think guess. about all the ways I could use that. Like even with. Stuff like travel 
notes because I will yeah. like start a travel note, like my WWC note, and then it's like buried somewhere. And sometimes I just want to be able to get to it from somewhere else, right? Like whether it be something like TripIt or something like that to save a link. Or sometimes I will attach, I will want to reference a note in a task in Todoist and I'm just like search this in Apple Notes is <laughs> that so I put in the little comment to myself. But being yeah. able to grab those UI U- URLs and just launching them from Todoist just by tapping on a button, like that would be amazing. That's really great. That's yeah. a great tip. <laughs> My next one was the only shining thing in a otherwise mostly boring WWDC presentation two years ago. Uh, stickers and message effects in yes. messages on iOS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I don't care what anybody says. I use stickers and message effects every single day. I don't think that when any of these message effects were created, they were done with complete seriousness in mind. I, I would expect that the engineers knew that these things were mostly going to be used ironically and to make fun of certain situations. Because, you know, what else do you need lasers for, right? (laughs) Like, you know, but I have so much fun sending these. I send them all the time. And stickers, stickers are just a great way to be expressive. Um, I used Animoji a couple, uh, two days ago to show my, yesterday I should say, to show my excitement about WWDC. Uh, I felt like a unicorn shaking its head with its mouth open was the only way to fully express my excitement level. Um, I use Bitmoji constantly. Um, You use Bitmoji a lot. (laughs) I do, I do. I mean, this started because it's something that me and Adina share with each other because they are these cute little images that, are incredibly expressive and there are just so many there are stickers there are bitmoji stickers for every occasion um and therefore all of my friends are subject to my bitmoji now because i think that they're hilarious um and they're they're they're, they're just sometimes there's some really really good ones the the keyboard sticker messaging so the sticker app is pretty good they have a keyboard that i don't use but the sticker messaging uh, app is really good and it has a little search in there so you can search for a term and it just brings up relevant bitmoji they're always adding new ones they have ones for special events and stuff i really like them um just stickers in general i have my favorite packs now not too many packs jump in these days um mostly because i tend to just use bitmoji all the time but there are still a few that i love and i think that this was a great addition to the messages app and it's stand- it for me it's definitely stood the test of time yeah I I sure do get a lot of Bitmoji from Mike. Um, all right, I want to go with the live photo effects. These are um, effects that Apple added in iOS 11. I don't think they are super popular, but they're perfect for me um, because I have two puppies now, I, I guess dogs, because they're supposedly they are one year old. We, we don't have a precise date because they were abandoned, so we don't know the birthday. Um, but they are these live photo effects. You you access them by uh, swiping up on a live photo in the photo app, and you get this um, this gallery, this horizontal carousel at the bottom. Uh, there are probably four effects. Uh, there's loop, bounce, long exposure, and I think just a standard live photo one. Um, and I love the loop and the bounce ones because they are perfect for little dogs playing around and doing stuff. Um, so you create these animations that are either looped or that are reversed. 
um, with the bounce one. And they are fantastic because then you can share the animation, uh, you can make a GIF out of it, and they're so fun. And it, it, you don't need to, to install a separate app from the App Store to, to generate these animations. It's built into the, the Photos app. As long as you take a live photo, um, all you need to do is wipe up and, and choose the effect. Uh, they're super fun. It's, they're perfect for dogs, I assume also for kids playing around and doing stuff. Or if you're capturing something that is moving in some some animated object in general, I think it's probably gonna go well. Also for people jumping into a pool or something, uh, you can use the bounce effect to to great extent for that type <laughs> of uh, live photo. So yeah, uh, they're not super popular popular, but I use them I use them a lot. One thing that I wish that those live photo effects did was to work like live photos because sometimes they don't like. They just loop like as if they're gifs. You know what I mean? Like so, then when yeah. you do the 3D touch on them, it doesn't necessarily always do what I want to do. So I would like to just be able to replace what the the, the happens when I 3D touch. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do really like those effects. I think they're really good. Uh, and the last one that I wanted to mention was share extensions. Share extensions are very nice, and my favorite one is the notes one. So, like, being able to see a link on Twitter or over iMessage or something like that and then just share it with the share extension, add it to a note, and the note, in the note, the link is there with, like, it's a rich link. So, it's, like, images and headlines, which are way easier to pass rather than just copying and pasting text links into a document. I find it so much nicer. Like, some typically, I'll be on Twitter. Say I'm on my Mac, on, I'm reading Twitter or whatever, like, waiting for something to upload or whatever. Um, and I see a link that I want to add to my note for Connected. So, like, I keep these notes for all of my shows where I add URLs for things that I want to talk about, right? And then on the day of the show, I go in and look at those URLs and add in all the topics that I want to do for the shows. Sometimes I'll see a link on Twitter and is and then I'll just grab my iPhone, open Tweetbot, and then add it there because I know it will be way easier for me later on to have the rich link rather than to have just this string of text for like MacStories.net slash something slash something, right? Because it doesn't mean anything when I'm just looking at it, even though your URLs are amazing, of course. But I much prefer to have the actual headline and any associated imagery just right there. Um, I I love the share extensions, and that is my favorite one uh, because it is just a way nicer thing way for me to be able to share URLs around. Because on the Mac, yeah. even though there are share extensions or at least some kind of share UI, it's not good, really, <laughs> at all. So... You know what are you gonna do? I don't think it's very good. So I love I love the way that it's implemented on iOS. Um, so I think it's really great. All right, is that it for today? I think so. I well think then, so, uh, if you want to get our show notes for this week, go to relay.fm/connector/one eight four. There you will find all the information that you need to buy tickets to our WWDC live show, which you definitely should. They're just five dollars. Um, and that you will be able to enjoy the show with hundreds of other Relay FM listeners, and you'll also be supporting OtConf, which is a great, great, awesome thing to support. They do awesome work for people in our community. Um, you also find information about our sponsors there, Pingdom, Squarespace, and Linode. We're kind enough to sponsor this week's episode. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to find Federico online, he's at maxstories.net. He is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. 
Uh, when Stephen is not just outside of the McHenry Convention Center in San Jose, he can also be found at 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH on Twitter. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.